folks, welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. What's up? What it is. (laughs) We went to dinner tonight. I rarely complain about service. Yeah, you do. food. You appreciate that it's a a tough job. I do. Exactly. Well, we went to dinner tonight. It's happened twice. One of my favorite restaurants, which is an Indian spot. It's very good. Love it. The food's exquisite. We had great food. But the service was terrible. It was. And this is like the third time in about the last two weeks that we've gone out to dinner or lunch and had shitty service. What's up with that? And you know what you noticed that it was all, and this is not a slot against an entire generation, but it was all younger people. Are we those people? Are we like them? Well, no, I don't think we're like Karen and George or whatever. (laughs) You know, let me speak to your manager because I never cause a scene. But we've noticed that they, it's like they lack some social skills. Like you gotta kinda, you know, engage and know well, what the menu is. The it's part of the job. But there's other things. I mean, I just feel like are restaurants not training? Do they not have like good front of the house training? Like here's how service should be. Maybe and not. I'm not even like expecting, you know, some five star service, but we went to one place. The kid, and I say kid because he had to be like 17, 18, our waiter. Uh, he was yeah, like he w- scared to talk to us. Yes. He didn't know anything about the menu when no, you were asking tr- him questions. Right. I tried to order like four or five different beers. No, I'll, I'll, okay, I'm exaggerating. Uh, but three, exactly three different beers, and they were just either not there or they just poured the last one. Yeah, okay. Right. And yeah. then you would ask him, well, do you have this? And he's like, I don't know. Instead of just going to ask or something, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then tonight, we waited, what, like 20 minutes after we ordered to get drinks? Well, they brought the drinks when they brought the food, which was the wrong food. Yes. So we finally got like our drinks 20 about minutes 20 wait. minutes later. Yeah, because yeah, when they come and say, let me get your drinks, you expect them, hey, my drinks, my tea or my beer or whatever, water is going to be back in just a minute. But this place apparently thinks they're supposed to serve your drinks with your food. They're, yeah, and then at least we got the drinks at that point, but still we're waiting on our food. Yes. But the food was freaking excellent. So it I was don't... great. But then we never got refills. They never came back to ask you if you wanted to grab another beer. Another beer, which they... I did. I know. You know I did. I... You know I want two. <laughs> I, I want two during our you dining experience. You are like Gary Busey in Point Break, Utah. Get me two. <laughs> yeah. He needs. He needs two. He's gonna if he's gonna have one. He's gonna have two. Yeah. But that's it. <laughs> but no, there was nothing, none of that. And no. then we sat there for like, I'm going to say 10 or 15 minutes waiting on our bill. Oh, I like, think it was longer than that. Twiddling our thumbs. Yeah. So it was a place with excellent food. But well, that... and our server was like nowhere to be found outside. Uh, she yeah. had a brand new table sitting next to us that sat there forever and ever. And she never came to take their order. And then yeah. she walks by us like three or four times, finally goes over to those people. And then isn't like concerned at all about getting us our ticket. Right, the people that came in twenty minutes behind us out on the table, indicating, "Hey, bring me a check." Anyway, I know we are complaining, but geez, I don't understand what's up with service today. Oh, I was just thinking maybe some of our listeners could relate. I'm sure they've experienced the same thing. I can't believe that we're you know we never go out. I know (laughs) the handful of times we go out in six months, we had shitty service. I know, and they were all young people, and I'm not disparaging an entire generation. That's the facts, people. But damn it! Yes, if you work in, 
I could do better. Food service. I'm personable. Ask I could me if I want a refill and bring me my check. Upsell me. <laughs> Upsell me. Get that guy who obviously is looking over there quivering, wanting a second beer. That guy is dying for a second I beer. I know. My baby was fiending for some more booze. It was a good beer, though. <laughs> it was a whippoorwill wit. I know. What From was Morganton. That? Yeah. What yeah. Was okay. That? So here's a local beer report. We have no sponsors, but we're just going to tell you how we live. It was the a whippoorwill wit. From Morganton, North Carolina. Do you know what the brewery or the um, No, was? I didn't. I'm sorry. But um, if you look that up, I'm sure that would pull it up, guys. And it was great, huh? And gals, if you want to try it out, as far as a wit goes, it was it was perfect. I could taste the, the aftertaste. Yeah. I, there were notes of coriander. There were. <laughs> there were. It was very witty. <laughs> but, you know, that was nice. And I wanted a second one is how good it was. Right. But, okay, so we'll move on and talk about who got murdered. Okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know, we like to stick to mountain murders, but sometimes a case might be just a hair outside of our region, but is so interesting that we have to cover it. Within side of the mountains. Like Pee Wee Gaskins. We had to do white in yes. the mountains, but still He's a big guy, He's a big name. A southern type of murder. Still somewhat regional. Well, I don't know why he's not up there with the big guys. I know. Or, and gals. So this case, a little out of reach from the mountains, but still not crazy far away. And that is the story of Angette, or maybe Angette, because I think it was like a French name. Okay. Angette Donovan Lyles. She was a like practitioner of voodoo and black magic. So that's probably one reason why her case was so salacious and has managed to kind of remain... Like a big story. Well, I could see that. Over the years. Yeah. Because, hey, this was a voodoo practitioner. Ooh. I know, right? D- yeah. And then people, even people will be like, ooh, voodoo and Satan. It's like two different things, people. Fucking weirdos. <laughs> well, she was <laughs> Look born that shit up. August 23rd, 1925 in Macon, Georgia. Her story takes place down in Macon. Have you ever been to Macon, Georgia? No, I haven't. I played roller derby a few times in Macon, Georgia. So what's it like down that way? Interesting. <laughs> Very Georgia. I, mean, I was just there Is playing. it open country yeah, kind of? flatlands. Okay. More like, like, not quite lowlands, like, um, you know, beachy, but kind of middle Piedmont-y type, like what we would call the Piedmont here in the state where it's kind of flatland. Okay. But again, I was only there to play roller derby. So I played roller derby. I partied at an after party and drank lots of booze, and then I passed out in a cheap hotel room oh that sounds so like that's fun pretty much every trip i've had to make in yeah all i know is the squid billy the squid billy's live in the mountains of northern georgia yeah that's all i know <laughs> and i was born in atlanta making was hot right like, I remember oh, it was really fucking hot humid sticky and i'm pretty sure mosquitoes ate me when i was there that sounds fun too. as usual Angette was the only daughter of jetta watkins and william donovan and they owned a produce company she was described as a very charming girl who could influence those around her. She was never particularly a good student, though she was very well-educated because her parents owned this produce company. They had money. Well, yeah. They were definitely like upper middle class, especially in Macon, Georgia. I wish my parents owned a produce company. Her family had money, as I mentioned, so she was spoiled, always managing to get what she wanted. And she was attractive. She was a pretty girl. She definitely knew how to flirt, bat those eyes, smile, 
very charming. So what you're saying is she was shaking what her mother gave her. She just charmed her way through life. Didn't matter. Didn't necessarily have to be like a romantic interest. Oh, she you know what? We cashier, know. Look, you get know, a discount. You know who this girl is? The teacher. Oh, I forgot my homework. I'm going to tell I you. smile and I'm cute. This I'm girl, when you're driving in traffic, ladies, fellas, all y'all can do this. And you see that girl who's, she's cute, you know, and her hair look all fluffy and like, you know, she might smell good and all that shit. Yeah, I'm not going too far, am I, honey? You know the type. But then you like oh, go to. You don't let her out in traffic. Yeah, that just ruins that girl's day because her whole life is like what you're describing. Well, I guess. Seemingly, you know her. I don't know. <laughs> I've never known her, but I've not let her out in traffic and look at the look at her on her face. That was very <laughs> spoiled. And by 1947, she had married a man named Ben F. Wiles Jr. Ben had fought in World War II. Her husband owned Lyle's Restaurant, which was a business he had inherited from his father, It was a staple in downtown Macon. Um, The two operated the restaurant together. Angette was very skilled in customer service. Again, very charming, outgoing, personable, was great with the customers. They adored her. Just thought she was, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. People came to this restaurant, just flocked there. Well, yeah, you got to love that. Great. And it was kind of located like downtown. They got the business crowd, the lunch crowd. The couple had two daughters, um, Marcia and Carla, but by 1951, her husband was in poor health. While in the Army, he had gotten sick with a throat infection and had rheumatic fever while he was in the Army. That's pretty rough. And so since then, he had ongoing medical issues, I guess days where he just didn't feel like he could work, and he struggled with a lot of those health issues. With his failing health, Ben decided to sell the restaurant for the low price of $2,500. But the problem is he didn't first discuss it with his wife. Okay, so that's not going to work out for him. He went behind her back, sold this restaurant, and even at that time, $2,500 for a restaurant of this popularity was very low. So, yeah, I I can imagine. This is a booming place, popular downtown spot. They get the lunch crowd. He's probably making that in a month or more. Yeah, it just sells it. And so she's notably upset. She'd really taken to the restaurant business and felt like she'd been successful at it. And it seemed like the first time in her life, I mean, she wasn't a great student. She was super spoiled, always got her way. But this was kind of the first thing that she had done on her own where she felt like, I'm accomplishing something. Right. I'm really good at this. She just loved the restaurant business. I'm making money. I feel successful. To add insult to injury, the VA had cut Ben's benefits down to a fraction of the income that the couple had been bringing in. And Anjette was used to, you know, living a certain lifestyle. Well, they fought a lot over money. Kind of, she was, they were probably pretty middle class at that when they were success, you know, booming restaurant and all that. And money was really tight, especially after the birth of their second child. So basically, husband's sick, sells the restaurant, he's not getting much as far as disability from the military, they have another baby. I mean, money is an issue, and we all know that that's the number one thing couples fight about, it seems. It is. It's money. I'll tell you, if you can scrape by with somebody, y'all, you stay with them. If y'all can <laughs> scrape by and barely, skid, I call it skidding in on your belly at the airport, 
yeah. on payday and you just do make it, but you guys didn't more than add each other's throat. That's true love. I was going to say, we never fight about money. No. And we've scraped by, ain't we, baby? A couple of times. A few times. like everybody. <laughs> no, it's all right. We're just making it. Well, Ben fell sick with some nosebleeds and convulsions, eventually falling into a coma. Doctors later determined that it was encephalitis, but by the time it was, you know, diagnosed, it was too late for treatment. They just couldn't do anything for him at that point. Now, eventually her husband dies in 1952. So this is a rough year. Baby comes, husband's sick. Restaurant's gone. Yeah. I mean, no yeah. money coming in. He gets sicker. He dies. Angette found herself as a single mom with two young daughters. She moved back into her parents' home and began working as hard as she could at another local restaurant. She saved money. And from what I understand, I mean, she really saved money. She was stacking every dime she made, squirreling it away. She had plans. And in some time, was able to buy back the previous restaurant. Wow. And she named it Angers. She specialized in typical Southern cuisine. I'm thinking like what? Fried chicken? Oh, yeah. Vegetables. Pork chops. Uh, potatoes and gravy. Mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah, green biscuits, beans. Corn. All that good some shit. Some greens. The restaurant grew to be one of the most popular lunch spots in town. It had already been a great spot. But so obviously she was the reason the other one was a great spot too. But in part, it was becoming so popular because of Angette's hospitality. White-collar workers such as bankers, lawyers, businessmen made it a regular dining spot because, as I mentioned, it's right downtown. It's within walking distance. So she's hobnobbing with all of the, you know, the what do we say, highfalutin people in town? Yeah, the ones who <laughs> Jud- bought the coke. Lawyers. <laughs> the yeah. ones that buy the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> This is 1950s. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, they were just happy to be they're drinking the ones, alcohol. They're drinking the single malt whiskey. Oh, yes. Angette also earned quite a reputation in town. Not only was she just fiercely independent and headstrong, which for this time period was not common for women. Most women were kind of homemakers. They weren't business owners. They weren't running the show. Right. She was a savvy businesswoman. She wore these very flashy, fashionable clothes, always decked out, dressed to the nines, hair perfect. So she's making an impression everywhere she goes. In photos that I've seen of Angette, she's got big platinum bouffant okay. type teased up, big bouffant hair, lots of makeup, just very glamorous for that time period. And she drove around in fancy cars. Always had a nice new car. She caught the eye of several men in town, and gossip would eventually make its way around. Due to her outgoing personality, many interpreted this as being overtly flirty. But I think they'd just be jealous bitches. Yeah, that's what, you know, people, haters are going to hate, y'all. Yeah. That, that's just the bottom line. Well, here's Angette. She's single. She's successful. She's got money. She done, she's wearing all the good clothes. She done bought her old restaurant back. She got the good hair. She's running all by herself, doing she's all this shit. Driving around town probably in some sporty little T-bird or something. I might even hate on her. I'd be like, who the fuck she's supposed to be? Exactly. But mm. she she is a hardworking individual, sounds like. By 1955, Angette had began dating an airline pilot. And now you got to remember, this is the time when pilots were like celebrities. Yeah, and even yeah, even the whole thing they did with the stewardess class, like you know these glamorous 
like literally hiring girls that were pretty, you know what I mean? Like very sexist and yeah, it was like a pilots were like gods back then, right? Yeah. Hey, she's dating an airline pilot. That's like, ooh. Yeah. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Anyway, the pilot's name was Joe Neil Gabbert. He, Adding more fuel to the rumor fire, Angette had accompanied him on several trips to mm. Texas, New Mexico. Wow. Yeah. So she's just zipping all over the Southwest. Damn, look at her. With She's her jet bo- set. With her boyfriend. Yeah. And eventually they elope on June 24th, 1955 in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Angette and her new husband returned to Macon to set up house in her residence. Now, Joe was frequently away, which Angette didn't seem to mind. She ran her business, took care of her daughters. This marriage definitely seemed happier than the first one. Right. Her first marriage, she wasn't very happy. Her husband was always sick. They seemed to be always fighting about money. Sound like he would do things and not tell her about it. Yeah. <laughs> they, just, they were right. not having a good marriage. But this one, she seemed a lot happier. People thought, oh, well, she's met her match. This is great. And it was shortly after the marriage, only maybe about four months later, that Joe had gone to the hospital for a minor wrist surgery. And after the surgery, he had a spiked fever and a skin rash that spread all over his body. Well, doctors were baffled and didn't know what was causing his illness, and he ends up dying five months later. What the hell? Um, from a minor wrist surgery. Oh, my God. So, you know, at this point, they don't know if he had some sort of reaction to the anesthesia, maybe some medication he was taking after this. I mean, they just don't even know. Right. This is really odd. It's still, you know, fairly uh, basic medical science back then, right? Or well, Jet immediately changed her name back from the married Gabbert to Lyles, which was her first married name. Yeah. You know, that was her daughter's names. But that was pretty unusual of a widow. Like, widow. You know, she would normally keep her husband's name. Yeah. So the fact she... that she immediately changes right. it back is raises some interest in town. That, wasn't that during a time still when you were the widow for X amount of time before you even courted or, you know, moved on, if you will? And everybody respected the widow's time after her, or a widower's. Well, she collected his life insurance money. With this, she bought a brand new car and a bigger, nicer house. Okay. What really set off talk around town was, was when she started dating another airline pilot only a few months after her husband's died. Well, that's always going to get people the talking. The second husband. Yeah, right. It was during this time that her former mother-in-law, Mrs. Julie Lyles, an elderly woman who was lonely moved into the household. Angette thought it would be good to have her around, be around the kids, her grandkids. She could help out. It's good to have that sort of multi-generational experience. Well, it's from their father. You say ex-mother-in-law? Yeah. So it's so her, their father, their dead father's so mother. This is their grandma. Right. They're, yeah, okay. She and her husband had owned that restaurant before Remember, they owned it. Right. The son inherited it when the father died, and now Angette has the restaurant. She was really happy to move in with Angette, be around her grandkids, and to be back in the restaurant. I mean, she'd spent most of her days there when her husband had owned the restaurant, so she's just really happy to be there. I mean, this was like family. This was like home to her. Yeah, like she come full circle, kind of. Well, at some point, Angette was going through her mother-in-law's things, and she stumbled Upon a bank book, of course, being a little nosy, she peeks around in there and finds out how much money 
and the assets that her mother-in-law had. He encourages her to make out a will, which is not a bad idea. I mean, if you've got a lot of money, you've got a lot of assets. Right. It's important to have that in place. Yeah, you'd think so. Well, Angette reportedly became obsessed with the will and essentially pestered the old woman to create one. See, now that's weird. Was just writing her ass about it. And Mrs. Lyle was not interested in any kind of will. Like, she just didn't want to do it. Yeah, I guess she would kind of get annoyed when Angette would well, you're push not going to make me do it. I'm an old woman. I have my ways. Yeah. What and Mrs. Lyles had a surviving son named Joseph. And Angette was really worried that if her mother-in-law died, the son would inherit everything. And she felt like, you know, some of that belonged to her kids. Because, you know, they should be getting their father's share. Well, that's a that's a not a totally, that's not a crazy thought to be considering that. But still a little weird to be pestering someone about their will. As I mentioned, Angette was really into voodoo and black magic. It was not unusual to find her with candles around the house. People would see her speaking into the flames. Okay. Like whispering into the flames. She also had her mother-in-law and household staff, such as her housekeeper, Carmen, participate in some rituals. She believed in root work frequented fortune tellers, and would often take her employees, household staff, her mother-in-law with her to go see these fortune tellers, these palm readers, psychics. Nice. Spend a lot of money for their wisdom. Yes. Because these psychics and fortune tellers, they're not cheap. No, and when they get somebody like that. And you got to remember this was before Miss Cleo. So it wasn't like she could just pick up the phone and call her psychic friend. No, you literally had to go see him. Yeah. Um, but I think that's fascinating. Have you ever been to like a palm reader or fortune teller? I, when I was uh, 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 quite a bit, or I don't know, let's see. When I was around 11 years old, I lived in Shelby, North Carolina, beside palm readers. Oh, yeah? Yes, I got a peek on the inside. Nice. Yes, I did. It was basically they were conning the living shit out of the people. Interesting. Yeah, but the dude was like the gypsy, like Romanian gypsy kind of thing. So he really was? Yeah, and but the chick was like a white chick. But, you know, they'd been together for all these years, and he would tell me all these different scams and shit, and I'm just a little kid. And this dude's just telling me all these fucking scams. You can do it like retail stores and stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. Interesting. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe that was just those palm readers. Maybe the rest of them are for real. I went to a palm reader one time okay. in Baltimore. Yeah. There was like this palm reader shop or whatever down in Fells Point. I totally go. Yeah, so my girlfriend and I were out on the town like on a Friday night or right. something. We were like, let's go. And this lady, she told me a bunch of horse, just horse shit. Like, okay. Nothing she told me was even remotely accurate. None of it came true. I mean, she right. she must have had me confused with somebody else. Okay. She had me working in, like, the tech field, marrying, like, someone from the past, like, my high school sweetheart. That's some real general shit here. Okay. Being, like, a suburban housewife mom. Oh, that's not you. In the computer field. Yeah, I was just like, "Mm mm-mm. I came from this, like, loving, awesome home. Oh. My parents were still together. I mean, just everything she told me was just like, okay, this bitch would cray. So, yeah. It was just a waste of like they, I tell you, here's what bucks, they do, basically. people. From my experience, they find people who believe, truly believe, and they basically, they work them. And they're very talented at what they do, but they work them. They get general, they get clues from the person as they talk and tell them their story, and they work you like a, I mean, you can't, you can't 
trick these people. They're, they're very good Almost at what like they do. Almost like horoscopes. And at some, some point, I'll have to tell you about my career writing horoscopes. Right. And how fun that was. But I'll save that for another time. Yeah, but so, okay. She's so very into that. She's she's getting the root work. What'd you call roots. it? The roots. Yeah, she's working roots on people. Yeah. Yeah. Whispering into candles. Well, you get up in the morning time and you're sore and you don't know why. Like, you don't know why. You didn't work hard or nothing be- the day before. You'd be like, oh, somebody's working roots on me. Somebody's working them. Conjuring? Mm-hmm. Well, by 1957, Mrs. Lyles had become ill. She was suffering from nausea, edema. She was hospitalized. Angette doted on the old woman, just spending hours by her side in the hospital, bringing her all the favorite food from the restaurant, reading to her. I mean, she was, like, really devoted to this woman. After battling the sickness for about a month, the old woman finally passed away. She was buried next to her husband, and Angette produced a copy of Mrs. Lyle's will about a week after the burial. The will left everything to Angette and her two daughters. Wow, so the old lady got around to making the will, huh? Angette seemed to lash out at her daughter. Now, Marcia, the oldest daughter, was about nine years old, and people would often hear Angette call the child that Lyles-looking son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, apparently, my God. she looked just like her dad. <laughs> okay. We've all heard that before. I mean, I honestly do look just like my dad. Yeah. I hate it. I don't want to admit it, but I do. And, you know, yeah, there have been times when my mom would jokingly be like, oh, you little, my dad's name looking thing. Or, you know, oh, you you look just like them Hyatts. And it's true. We all look alike. Right. (laughs) But kind of jokingly. But I can't imagine her being like, you look like that son of a bitch. You're a Hyatt cock ass wife. Piece of crap person. Yeah. I mean, I've heard my dad say, you act just like your mama. And I knew that that was supposed to be an insult. Yeah. But when he would say that, I always would just be like, thank you. Thank you. Because she <laughs> seems more reasonable right now. Yeah. Thank you. Anjette would reportedly verbally berate the little girl and even threaten to kill her a couple of times. Yeah. See, that's crazy. Marsha became sick in the winter of 1958 with a headache and a cough. Now, Anjette treated it like most Southern mamas, gave her some whiskey little sugar rub some dirt on it but it made the little girl worse the girl had you know a pretty extended hospital stay and during this time Angette was again very doting at the hospital every day bringing the little girl fruit juices teas caring for her special you know medicinal concoctions okay so so we're, we're at her daughter now yeah um yeah what what's there's a, not a lot of good luck around her. Well, for all that root, roots she's working. Yeah. It don't sound like she's working two husbands, too many optimistic spells. An ex-mother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. The child was hallucinating and had failing kidneys. Some reports say the child would talk about how bugs were just crawling on her skin And she would just scratch and, you know, obviously was hallucinating and that she'd call out that these beasts were coming to get her. Angette's reaction was to laugh at the kid. I mean, doctors and nurses thought it was really peculiar behavior for a mother who has a sick, potentially dying child in the hospital to be laughing at this kid and like making fun of her. Who are out of their mind and seeing things, obviously not there. Yeah, I mean, she yeah. would laugh, she would make fun of her, would, you know, just be like, oh, she's so stupid, look at her, you know. 
Okay. Marcia eventually died on April 4th, 1958. Hospital employees and other townspeople were suspicious of the death. It seemed that anyone who was close to Angette died of mysterious illnesses. Was it a run of bad luck for this woman? Or was there something more sinister at play? An autopsy was performed on Marcia. They found traces of arsenic in her system. Oh, God. Well, that's a horrible way to fucking kill somebody. Your own daughter? Once they perform the autopsy, they find the arsenic in her system. They start asking questions. Angette went as far as bringing her youngest daughter, Carla, to the doctor. Carla told him that Marcia and other kids were playing doctor and taking medicine, which was poison. Oh. Like, oh, they were playing with this, and oh, you know, and it ends up, it's poison. Okay. And Angette even called parents of one of the children to say it was possible the kids had been poisoned during playtime. So one of these kids brought arsenic, is basically the story. But okay. this only made investigators and medical professionals more suspicious. Right, because that happens all the time, kids that have arsenic to play with. The bodies of her former husbands, and I say husbands, yeah, there was a couple, and mother-in-law were exhumed and re-examined. It was determined that all three had suffered from... Arsenic poisoning. Yeah. Okay. I did not. Big winner. Yes. A conversation with the parents of Marcia's friends revealed that actually never received a phone call from Angette. She was only telling the doctor and investigators that she was making these phone calls and went as far as like staging one in front of the investigators. Right. You know, oh, well, your child could have possibly been poisoned. Okay. But when they go talk to these parents, she had never called anyone. Wow. She's just a big con. Angette was in the hospital shortly after Marcia's death with a varicose vein surgery. Okay. She was in a wheelchair and unable to walk. Well, it was during this time that investigators got a warrant to go search her house while she's laid up in the hospital. A search of Angette's home revealed quite a collection of voodoo items. They found spell books, candles, potions, powders, and roots. Well, none of that's incriminating. But, but it's freaking them people out. But definitely started stirring this rumor pot. Oh, I guarantee it. They also found several boxes of ant poisoning containing arsenic. The case spread throughout the area. Angette's involvement in the black magic was, of course, sensationalized. She was arrested and charged with four counts of murder. Well, during the trial, Angette was making headlines. The platinum woman would show up for court looking very chic and glamorous, always showing up for court decked out, perfect hair, perfect makeup, expensive jewelry. Yeah, she's got a little money. Looking fly. And huge crowds would stand outside the courtroom hoping to catch a glance at her. Like she was some kind of celebrity. <laughs> Again, like she's walking the red carpet going into court. And of course, the trial ends up making national headlines because you've got this very glamorous, attractive blonde. Okay. Uh, you know, this... beautiful. Walking, you know, into court looking like Marilyn Monroe or something. Four people murdered. And the bitches into voodoo. Including two husbands. An old woman, not to be offensive in any way, and her own daughter. Yes. So that's an, that's a crazy story. So all of that combined with the fact that she's cast in spells, 
people talking about how she's whispering into candles. Yeah. She's really into the occult. Well, that's a story. Fortune tellers, yeah. all of this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you got to consider this is the 50s. There's not a lot of entertainment. Today, if we heard this, people would probably be fascinated with For 10 this. minutes. But, yeah. Yeah. We didn't hear about this kind of thing back then. So, it was just no. a really big story. Angette was found guilty of four counts of murder and given the death penalty in Georgia. The governor ended up ordering a psychiatric workup on the woman, and doctors said she was insane. Doctors believe she was schizophrenic. She was spared death and sentenced to a mental health facility in Milledgeville, Georgia. She eventually died of heart failure at the age of 52. So she didn't live very long. Wow. There, she did all that in 52 years? There were reports, though, that she was at this mental hospital and would brag about how she had totally played the system. Oh, yes, that she, she did. wasn't crazy, that she knew exactly how to act insane. She knew what to tell them and, you know, thought it was funny. That I don't doubt that a bit because she's a very, you know, very manipulative and narcissism, all that shit. Yeah, never showed any kind of remorse no, for the killing. Just in it for what pure she... Pure greed. Yeah, or convenience. Well, it also makes me wonder... Like the daughter... What the hell was to be, you know what I mean? What was to be gained by poisoning your own daughter? She just didn't like her. She looked like her damn ex. Yeah. I well, mean, it also makes me like wonder shit. because she's doting on the daughter and Well, that's the all of it, like a Munchausen lady. by proxy. Well, I was going to say, maybe she had a case of that where she liked for people to be sick. She wanted to dote on them, take care of them. Yeah, and they're all extended sicknesses in hospital stays. And she got to soak it all play up. the victim of like, oh, poor me. Look at my yeah. poor family. I'm going to stay here Look with what them. what we've been through. I'm going to come in every day glammed up with the big hair. And then when they die, she's getting their money, but she's also getting the sympathy of, oh, poor you. That's exactly Attention. what it was. She's turning it into Angette's situation rather than those other people who were ill and and dead. There you go. We're going to add, I don't know if any article out there or story about her has that in it. We're going to go ahead and add here at Mountain Murders, Munchausen by proxy. Well, that's what as it well. seems like coupled with Well, with it drawn you know, out like that. obvious other issues. Like even if like you she's a greedy poison bitch. them and someone goes and be in the hospital for a month, you don't have to be there. 24-7. You know what I mean? She's just there in the middle of it. She's drinking that up, that energy, the sympathy. You know, she could still poison and murder them and never go to the hospital. Well, and if she's bringing them food. Yeah, and continuing to, the hospital, to murder, poison them. I was going to say that bitch probably still poisoning them people. I, I guess she probably did a very minute amount. Just keep them poisoned over an extended period of time. Are people still murdered with arsenic? I mean, that seems like a way of the past. I don't hear about too many modern tales it's still used. of arsenic poisoning. It, it still happens. And then, of course, there's like the famous movie, Arsenic and Old Lace, the play, the movie. Well, any t just think about it, though. Anytime it is poisoning, arsenic is typically your go-to because you can get your hands on it, right? You can get some rat poisoning or some ant. You know, you can get your hands on it in the public. And it's very, it's very rough death. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems to be a pretty rough death. It always makes me think of uh, the film Flowers in the Attic. Yeah. Wasn't the little boy, one of the little twins, poisoned with rat poisoning or arsenic and yeah, I dies? I think so, yeah. And some of the symptoms, I just looked it up because I was kind of curious, like, if you are poisoned with arsenic, what the symptoms would include. 
red or swollen skin, skin changes like new warts or lesions. Nice. Abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. Abnormal heart rhythm, muscle cramps, tingling of fingers and toes. Fucking your whole system up. Constant sore throat, digestive issues, persistent digestive issues. Well, think about her first husband had like a throat infection and then had throat issues. There you go. Well, if she was poisoning them Ongoing. No fucking wonder. (laughs) There's no telling how long she poisoned that poor man. I know. Even if he didn't tell her about selling a restaurant. She was poisoning him the whole time. Well, what a great story. We've got murder. We've got sex. We've got greed, poisoning, and we've got voodoo and black magic. And glamour shots. Glamour shots. She's definitely the kind of woman that would have had, like, a huge, like, poster-sized glamour shot of herself. Oh, yeah. Above the mantle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, like, an oil painting where she's, like, wearing... Some froofy dress and holding like a poodle in her arms. Prominently displayed yeah. in the main living living area. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. Because she's a fucking narcissist. Yeah. And she's an asshole. She is. And will you tell people where they can get more of us at? <laughs> if you want to <laughs> listen to more narcissistic assholes, you can find our podcast. Basically, any place you find podcasts. All of We're them. on Facebook. If you... Or look for Mountain Murders, search Mountain Murders. We're on Twitter under Mountain Murders and on Instagram, Mountain Murders Podcast.